Welcome to the process of things. Does stuff work? And we're back. We're back. Season 3B, episode 4. Is this the end of the end? Well, it is, unless you do an interview with someone to, you know, demonstrate manager uh, issues oh. that we've been talking about this season, similar to the one we did, the amazing one we did with Hey Jamie J. <laughs> Uh, when we asked her about her whole career shift, it would be really cool to talk to a manager from their perspective of uh, hiring, acquiring, and retaining talent. I will. I will work on that. Okay. I will see what I can do with Thanks. Mr. Busy Pants. Yes. I'm Nicole North, and I'm Ruth Henderson, and we're your hosts today on the process of things. Does stuff work? This season, we're focusing on how to help managers. Get the help they need. Help, I need help. Help, I need help. How do I find, attract, and retain the best people for my for my team? And now you have um, worked with your own team. You have networked because you've decided you need to find someone new. You have um, done some research on, on what kind of person you want to get, how you want to interview them, what you're going to do. You've interviewed them. Hopefully you found someone that you love, you've debriefed people that didn't get it, and now you're actually like bringing them on. You hi- you found the person. I found my man. And they start Monday. Yeah. So exciting. Yeah. Easy. Now, uh, here's here's <laughs> what not to do. <laughs> so, here my ignorant little Ruthie right out of school. This is 1989, Nicole. You are, you know, 4 years old. At the time. 1989? No. Nine years old. Nine years old. I can't do math. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) I have a master's degree, but it's my first real permanent full-time job. And I'm uh, working at Ford Motor Company out in Oakville, Ontario. And I am so excited. And I walk in wearing a suit, as one did in those days. And I was hired into finance. And this department that I was... um, hired into was customs and taxation. Doesn't that sound exciting? And I was sat down at a desk by the window and given the tax codes to read for two weeks. (sighs) That was a real yawn and a fake yawn all at once. Yeah, I'm actually yawning. You are actually yawning. You're going to make me yawn. They actually were not ready for me. The, The department did not know they were getting me. Uh, they weren't ready. They didn't really know what my role was going to be. I had, oh, that's the yeah, worst. I had, and imagine as well, if you can, in 1989, computers were not really a big thing yet on individual desks, and they had only recently started um, stopped smoking in the office place. <laughs> so um, it was pretty old school, and um, spreadsheets were not spreadsheets; they were written down on graph paper and that sort of thing. And I even had to use punch cards to enter data at some point. I only had to do it once, but I remember it still existed when I got there in 1989. I don't even know what you're talking about. I know. Well, two years earlier, I had got my first personal computer for my MBA program, and there was no hard drive. It had two floppy disks. They were five and a quarter quarter floppies. Love the five and a quarter floppy. And you'd pop one in to boot it up, and another one in with the program, and then the other one was used to save your... Material. So 
um, it wasn't until I guess my I would say my second job, maybe my first job, there was there were computers with um, green screens. You know, the old coding where you would go and look up information, but then you would write that information down or type it uh, with a yeah. typewriter. And when I then went from there into the controller's office to do financial work. A lot of the spreadsheets were on paper, and I, I was actually putting them into, at the time it was Lotus 1, 2, 3, uh, or DBase 4. Like, there was very little anything else. Word was just, it was actually Word Perfect was just starting. Oh, yeah. This is really a long time ago, but when you think about it, the principles were the same. They weren't ready for me. They barely knew where I was going to sit. The manager didn't spend any time with me for two weeks, and I used to go home and burst into tears that I'd made a terrible mistake because I was literally reading tax code for two weeks. Now, eventually, I had a pretty good job there, and, and uh, well, I stayed for 15 years at different positions, so it was a good job, but eventually I fit in with that department. But what a terrible way to start. Yeah. And they, it, it was even harder because it actually took three or four years before I found my rhythm in that company that had very specific cultural expectations. And the finance world was not the right place to find those expectations and meet them at the time. So it was a very rough start for a 24-year-old uh, into career. So we want to talk today about what not, not, not what not to do, but what to do. Yeah, maybe I should share my best experience. Yes, please. Yes. Of course, we'll I was in it. Ruth's Branch oh yay! Oh, was I your was I your director in that yes, best experience? Yes, Ruth. Yes. Oh, so you were my manager was at the your time. Best manager. Oh yes. Huh. Yes. Okay. Tell the story, Nicole. I want to hear it. <laughs> um, so I had had all the kind of similar experiences to you. You know, you've gone, shown up on the first day of work, no computer for you, no passwords. Mm-mm. Um, no one to train you. They just kind of throw some paper at you and are just like ask you to read it. Um, so um, on this particular day, I arrived my first day at the office. Um, I had uh, a desk set up, passwords. Everything was clearly printed out on a sheet for me and at my desk for me. Someone had taken me around and done introductions to people around the office I received a USB key, which even now sounds a little bit old. Or a thumb drive. Thumb drive. (laughs) Sounds kind of like someone just handed you like a weird weird thumb. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I got a thumb drive with a bunch of documents Mm -hmm. to read, including an onboarding manual um, specifically for that organization and that office that had all kinds of details about where to get things, who to talk to, who did what. Mm-hmm. And then I believe I was also assigned a buddy. Shocking. A buddy that I could go and reach out to should I need some assistance with anything. Um, and then I, then I, you know, there was still the thing like here's 95 documents on a thumb drive. Sure, to read. Read through them for mm-hmm. a couple of days. But that's pretty reasonable because... You know, everyone needs to sort out what you're going to do and you need some time to wrap your head around things and get accustomed. So I don't think that was, you know, that part of it wasn't too terrible. And um, then it was very quickly just getting onboarded and started going to meetings. But there was never this feeling of being thrown into the fire at all. Yeah. Well, oh. except <laughs> except the uh, one project. <laughs> I'd never really used a project plan <laughs> or process maps before. Um, but I apparently had aptitude. 
And I remember um, there was a project that was transitioning to me and I was going to be the project manager for it. And I remember getting this incredibly detailed project plan. And I, I remember telling the other manager, like I said, I'm going to need some help. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand this. I don't know how to use it. And I, that person just was like, no, you'll have to figure it out. <gasps> and I was like, oh, oh God, neat. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, I did figure it out. It was absolutely fine. Oh, that's um, funny. But I specifically remember that was probably the only part where I felt a little kind of thrown under the bus. But for everything else, it was a very smooth, easy transition. Well, I think our listeners have probably experienced either of these or somewhere in between this experience of onboarding, either really, really bad or really, really good or somewhere in the middle. So what can we tell people? Well, first of all, we've used the word onboarding. A few times. There's our drinking word for today. Why not keep up our theme? For managers who are hiring people, trying to hire people, you might as well drink and listen to Whiteboard Consulting Podcasts, says the person who doesn't drink. But every time we say onboarding today, you can have, have a Have a shot of tequila yes. so, or, or sourpuss. Tom yeah. has a bottle of sourpuss oh, in the fridge right, right now. He's like a 23-year-old girl. <laughs> That's funny. Sex in the City show. Yeah, so, he's having a cosmopolitan. So we're going to talk about we want to talk about, we will talk about you bringing on your first, your new employee starting Monday. What do you need to onboard drink. them properly? Because onboarding drink is not as easy as it sounds. Well, you know what I'm going to do right live as we speak? What? I'm going to just Google what onboarding drink actually <laughs> means. Like is what's the definition? Here we go. Here okay. we go. Okay. Okay. Tell us. The action or process of integrating a new employee into an organization or familiarizing a new customer or client with one's products or services. Oh, interesting. So it's used from a retail perspective and a service perspective. So we'll talk about that first definition, but I like that integrating. You can't throw someone in and have them feel integrated. Your first day is scary. Yeah. You've made a leap. You've left what's comfortable. And when you show up and there's no computer, no uh, passwords, no passwords <laughs> and people say, I'll be right with you. And you kind of sit there looking like an idiot and look on, scroll your phone. Like you should have something to do right from like when you get in, like here's the login, here's how you set up your email. Why don't you spend the next two hours doing that? Mm-hmm. At 11 o'clock, we've got a special meeting for you with your buddy. Yeah. Like, create a, An like agenda. Be a cruise director. Yeah. And create a little bit of a day for someone. Well, your, right? your first few days should be created for you. Yeah. Uh, for, here's your desk, your computer, your passwords. Here's some logon inf- login information. I'm going to walk you through that. And here's your thumb drive or whatever. <laughs> it's all in a shared drive <laughs> of stuff that you should look through and read. I've then set up a meeting for you at 11 o'clock so you can ask me any questions that you have. And then at noon, you're going to have lunch with your buddy. And then this afternoon, you're going to meet with the director. And at 3 o'clock, you're going to meet with so-and-so. And then tomorrow, it looks like this and this. And Wednesday, you've got your first project meeting and you're in. Right? You, you make people feel expected and wanted and valued and yes. that you understand that they're going to be trying to figure a lot of things out. Yeah, and... I think the key is to make people feel that it's okay mm-hmm. 
if they have questions. Mm -hmm. It's okay if they don't, quote unquote, hit the ground running. Mm. You don't need to hit the ground running. No. You don't. No. Um, In our episode for employees that were starting a new job, I talked about my rule of threes, I think, where you, after three days, you should know where the bathroom is in the name of three people. And after three weeks, you're going to be thinking, oh my God, what have I done? And at three months, you start to think, I've got the hang of this. Well, as a manager, you need to be aware of that rule of threes and know that if you overload them too much, they start on Monday and you overload them in Monday to Wednesday, you could have people leave and say, I've done the wrong thing. So if you don't give them anything and or you overload them. So the idea is to recognize that the most important thing for them is to meet people those first three days. Who are the key people they need to know and how can you introduce them? And I think the big risk of forcing people to hit the ground running. (laughs) We're laughing because I'm sitting next to Nicole's dog and it really stinks here all of a sudden. I'm blaming the dog. He may have passed gas. (laughs) (laughs) He looks guilty. (laughs) Um, I think the biggest risk of asking people to hit the ground running is that then you will have people that are fearful to let you know when they don't know something. Yes, they're going to make it up. Right? And that they're going to be like, oh my gosh, they've asked me to hit the ground running. And I you know, I don't know the answer to this, so I'm going to make it up. I'm going to just do whatever. I'm going to not come into work today. I don't know. Whatever yeah. the possible answers are. You want to make people feel like it is okay to have questions. It is okay to not know exactly how to do this. Mm-hmm. It is okay that you will help them along the way or there is someone to help them along the way. Yeah. And uh, I think even if you've hired somebody into a technical job, let's say you've hired a new intern in a hospital, a doctor who knows how to treat people. They still can't hit the ground running from that perspective of knowing the way around the hospital, knowing who to talk to, what the culture is. Don't ask that person because they're not going to help you. Come ask this person. What the protocols are, what the... Everything. That, when, you, when people say, I need you to hit the ground running... That's bull. If it's a very technical yeah, thing, you tell your boss that, guys. Yeah. If you, you get them, to a new job, bull. you tell your boss <laughs> you're that's full of bull. shit. That's bull. <laughs> no, don't say that. But it is not right. It there are technical things. Of course, you can expect somebody you just hired them to know how to be an accountant. They can do accounting. The rest of it is equally, if not more, important at the start. So, one of the things we talk about now is not just attracting talent and engaging talent when they're there, but retaining them. And that first 30 days is the most critical. So you need to know that in those first three days, you better have something that helps them understand the culture, know who the right people are to talk to, know where the bathroom is, know where the cafeteria is, all of those things. And then at 30 days, you better have a check-in with them. It's been... It was talked about a lot at the conference I went to a couple weeks ago that at 30 days, there needs to be a check-in. When we hired you, we talked about this and this and this, and you talked about these goals. How are we doing? What do I you am need? nodding profusely. Yeah. What do you need that we're not doing? And if you have been very open from the start that it's okay to ask questions or whatever, they should still feel comfortable enough answering those questions and don't wait till 90 days, 30 days max. 
Like even the first day, first week, you want to have questions or discussions like that, but a formal one at 30 days. This is what we promised you. This is what you asked for. How are we doing? That's amazing. I wonder how many organizations actually do that. I don't know. It's not hard. It comes back again to being able to ask for feedback and to get it. It's just, you know, and I feel like the, the yeah butters Mm -hmm. are going to say, yeah, but I, you know, it took me four months to hire this person. I had a backlog of staff. I need like, I don't have time. I have 95 meetings a day. Mm -hmm. Da, 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 da. I'm always being called to this, that, or the other. And I just, I don't have time to spend that much time with my employee. And so if that is the case, do a buddy system. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds kind of lame. Maybe give it not the name. Give buddy it a system. different name. A professional <laughs> my, adjunct. My professional <laughs> colleague. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. Come up with something. If buddy system is too lame for you, yeah. Come up with something, and <laughs> you know, let that person then be the person to say, "Hey, how are things going? What do you need? What's different? You know, find how- that person who's going to represent your area the best way." Yeah. Who wants to help? Who want? This is a great opportunity for another person to demonstrate leadership and to get involved in those things. They've been around. They know what to do. They're the person that you want to answer those questions. Yeah. And I remember my buddy when I came to work for you um, was kind of an not an admin person, but kind of a project coordinator. Uh, and she was great, even if she didn't have the answer for the specific question I had. She would say, "Oh." This is this question about process maps. Let's go ask Alex together. She's amazing. Kathy Mendez, if you're still out there, if you're, <laughs> if listening, you're listening, we love, we love you. you. <laughs> but she was. She was amazing and so friendly about yeah. it. And, you know, I feel that that also made it really comfortable. If, if my buddy was a direct peer, I might be mm. less comfortable saying, I don't know how to do that. Yeah. Um, but fair. being able to go to Kathy, you know, something about her personality or whatever just made it so comfortable for me to say, I need help with this. And she's like, let's find you the right person that's going to really help you. Yeah. And it was just yeah. incredible. So what do you think? Does your, does your, no, don't look at your article. What do you think are the elements of an onboarding package? So we are huge fans of checklists. So Love right checklist. off the bat, we would say to um, managers, you need to work with your team, ask them what they would want in an onboarding checklist. But we'll talk about that. And then you need to develop one and you need to make sure that it has who's going to do something and when for these new employees. But let's talk about some things that could go on this checklist. I love it. Um, bare minimum. Bare minimum. First thing. IT. Yeah. Emails, passwords. Phone. Phone, voicemail. Do people even Ooh, use voicemail? Not. Get rid of voicemail. Um, yeah, your, but your black BlackBerry, BlackBerry, or your BlackBerry, or phone. your smartphone, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, your access to all these different systems that are needed. Access cards, security pass, security. Yep. Parking or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe your uh, introductory meeting with HR. If there are papers that need to be filled out for benefits and vacation and online access to um, uh, vacation systems and attendance and that sort of thing. Corporate policies, Mm -hmm. travel policies, procurement, Mm -hmm. um, any Mm -hmm. kind of expense cards or Mm -hmm. credit cards that you need in order to do your job. Attendance, illness. How to deal with attendance and illness, Mm -hmm. 100%. Mm -hmm. What happens if you're sick? 
Who do you call? How does that work? Internal uh, processes. Yeah. Emergencies, fire, um, and uh, other emergency issues. Clearly that you might label know. the fire warden. Yeah. <laughs> the fire wardens. Um, yeah. So all of that very basic health and wellness, essentially, uh, information that they need to know when they're there. What about um, if you've agreed to have flex working or working from home? How does that work? How do they connect to the network? VPN. How do they do that? Yeah. And also expectations. So this is very important when you do have a flexible work arrangements. And I would include um, flexible work arrangements to be either... Um, hours that you work. So some people will start at seven o'clock in the morning so they can leave at three. Some people start at nine and leave at five. Often there's core hours. So what are your expectations for flex hours? Mm. I don't care when you work as long as you're here between 10 and two or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. And the I loved when occasionally you would um, remind people, you mm. would send these really kind emails um, but that were, they were like stern, but kind about what it means to be on time at work. Yeah. And yeah. I remember it very clearly saying things like if your start time is 9am, that doesn't mean you sashay through the door with your coat on at 9am and then spend the next 25 minutes getting a coffee, heating up your oatmeal in the microwave, having it explode in the microwave, <laughs> cleaning, up cleaning the it microwave. up having chats with people and then sitting down and turning on your computer at 9.30. Yeah. Um, and I remember it was very nicely worded. It just said, these are the expectations. If your work hours start at 9, you're you at are your desk at your working. desk and you are working at 9 a.m. And if your mm -hmm. departure time is 4 p.m., um, you are shutting down your computer at that point and then saying your yeah. goodbyes. You're not leaving your at Tupperware. 20 to 4. Yeah. And I remember just being like, Wow, that no one ever says that. Most people just either look at you or give you side eye or it's mm -hmm. just like, you know, it gets kind of passed on through other people that so-and-so comes in late and does all this. Yeah. And you just set it clear and laid out what it exactly... You gave an operational definition you know, for work. And that's timeliness. a really good term to raise. When you are doing onboarding, drink, drink, you need to set expectations and give operational definitions for things. And if you're not familiar with that term, it just means it's a definition of your expectations that's so clear that everyone will interpret it the same way. So if you have flexible hours, be clear about what that means and what's expected. If you have work from home arrangements, or if people are allowed even to call in on a day and say that they want to work from home that day, their child is sick or whatever it might be, have clear expectations documented so that you don't have to have awkward uh, talks later. I worked with someone once who was very frustrated because one of her team members was working from home and had gone for a run at 10 o'clock in the morning, um, which is fine because he, she was managing him by outcome. She was saying, you get your work done. I really don't care when you're working and if you're from home. What she did not say was, I need you to let me know if you'll be away from the phone, because I have meetings that I need you to call into that can come up at the last minute. Huh. So I don't need to monitor what you're doing if you're watching Netflix and then working at midnight. I don't care. But she then needed him for meetings and could not get him. And she had not set those expectations. Uh -huh. So if you have flexible work hours or um, people can work from home, they only come into the office twice a week, what does that look like? And how are you going to monitor that success? 
Yeah. Really clear operational definitions. Yeah. Same goes for attire, right? What yeah. is business casual? Business casual includes khakis, um, dress pants, button-down shirts, um, da, da, da. Does, does not, not include, include Lululemon. Oh my God, don't get me started. <laughs> Flip-flops. Yeah, uh, jeans. Know, jeans. Maybe it includes dark jeans. Um, you know, but that we would call dressy jeans, jeans <laughs> but not ripped jeans. Or maybe it's too hard to be clear on that. So you just say no jeans or maybe it does. Maybe jeans and t-shirts are fine, but not leggings. So whatever it is, or maybe you don't care at all. You've got a, an atmosphere that's super cash, whatever. Just make the operational definition because yeah. in the absence of clarity yep. is Yep. So other things you need in your onboarding drink package mm-hmm. are uh, organizational charts. And I remember one oh. thing that I really liked that people did at Service Ontario. It was hard the bigger it got, but at the beginning, they put pictures in the org chart. Oh, so nice. So that I could see an org chart and know I had to go talk to Nicole North and I would recognize you in the hallway. I also really love in an onboarding drink package, <laughs> um, a list of acronyms. Mm. Oh, If yes. your organization is one that drops a lot of yeah. uh, acronyms or slang yeah. or product Mm-hmm. nicknames or anything like that. Can you have a glossary yeah. or a dictionary of terms yeah. to Who help people what? out? The, you know, the idea of knowing that this department does this thing. So we've got this great department of flufluzery and nobody knows what flufluzery means unless they've been there for a while. So we need you to understand that flufluzery just means they put the final polish on presentations to make them look fantastic. So that's the department that you go to if you need that. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, you start with the basic health, safety, welfare information. Then you go up to things that they need to know not to look dumb or not to get in trouble. Right. Yeah. Setting expectations, who to talk to, what the culture is, you know, whatever. <clears throat> What, what else do I need then when I show up my first day? I've got my IT stuff. Mm-hmm. I've got some general You've documentation. have got somewhere to sit. Somewhere to sit. I've got some expectations, things to read. I think you need your calendar done for the first week. I think somebody needs to hand you a completed calendar that has lots of free time in it for you to figure stuff out and talk to, but it shows that you've got things to do every day. So, so that you never come in and you're, and you're like, yeah, I don't want to read what these do documents. Do. Now what do I do? Yeah. So just for your this. first week and maybe it ends up with, or somewhere in there, it introduces you to your first projects or your assignments or yeah. whatever. But I think if your first week is full. And I don't mean full um, nine as to in five. like running, <clears throat> no. hit the ground running full. But like let's got, put you, oh, who was it that was, someone was telling me about that was their first day. They went to the initial project meeting and the project man- manager did the round table and went around and said, okay, Ruth, can you give your update on blah, blah, blah now? And it was Ruth's first day. Oh my Lord. And she was like, um, it's my first day. I, I, I don't, I don't have an up, I'm, I'm new. <laughs> wow. was so funny. Brutal. So yeah, when we say have some meetings, this isn't throwing people onto project meetings no. or into like detailed it's stuff. It's getting you up to meet with the key people that you need to know. Yeah. These are like coffee chat meetings yeah. or a lunch or whatever. And then maybe towards the end of that first week, yeah. you know. Or inc- they could be including you in other meetings just to listen and observe and to know yeah. how these work, those sorts of things. I also think that one of those meetings should be maybe one or two with your manager. The first one being, hi, (laughs) 
here I am. Welcome. I'm here to listen to you. Da 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 da. And then not too long in the, into the job, I would say no more than a couple of weeks, setting, uh, having that discussion about um, what you are going to need going forward. So here's your job description. Here's your, uh, whether you have something like a performance plan, however we do that here. Some companies still have formal performance reviews. Others don't, yeah. but they have expectations. And that review of that, so that you know what you're being marked on or observed on and has some kind of a learning plan for you as well to set that up right at the beginning and say, here's what we're expecting from you. Formally, it's documented. And I know that you, uh, growth is important to us for you. And it was, you know, important to you when we talked in our interview. So I've got you scheduled to take a couple, go to a conference or take a course or whatever in six months from now. How do you feel about that? Are we missing anything? I love it. Doing that early learning plan yeah. slash performance plan. Yeah. Um, setting up your regular one-on-one. Yep. Setting up those sessions. discussions, setting your own, saying things like, here's how I run my one-on-one sessions. They're 30 minutes uh, once every two weeks. And in it, I ask you for three Ps. I ask you to update me on your projects. I ask you if you're, how things are going with other people that you're working with. And I ask you for anything personal that I need to know. And you can say nothing or you can tell me something if that you feel I need to know it, um, you know. And and I'm open to a full range of those answers, but I ask you those questions. Um, how do you like to be? Uh, how do you like to have one-on-ones? How do you like recognition? How would you like me to thank you when I see that you've done a great job? Do you like? Are you like Nicole North, and you would like to be on a stage with a spotlight, <laughs> or are you someone who would rather just prefer a quiet handshake and a thank you? All those conversations should happen in the first two weeks. And then, as I said, at 30 days, there needs to be a formal check-in. You've been here a month. So when we talk about onboarding, drink, yes, there's a checklist of things in the first 24 hours, the first week, and the first 30 days. And onboarding drink is not just one activity that first day. It is a process for 30 days to six months, really. It's integration, right? It's integration. Otherwise, it, the definition of onboarding would be Drink. hit the ground running. Well, yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hi, um, here you go. I'm going to toss you your keys. Onboarding is the process of integrating you yes, into a new mm-hmm. organization. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is to talk to your team about how they would like to be treated if they were starting fresh and then design that checklist and make sure that someone is responsible for that. And updating it. And updating keeping it all it the up time. Keeping it up to date. Mm-hmm. Um, if you've got a little manual, keeping mm-hmm. that manual up to date. And it's one of those tasks that's really easy to just mm-hmm. constantly put on the back burner. Yeah. It's not normally a priority for people. But if you just spent a lot of time trying to get great talent, then this is an investment mm-hmm. in keeping that great mm-hmm. talent. Remember, it's not just about attracting and acquiring or even engaging. It's about retaining these days. The cycle for people, uh, for employees and companies has dropped substantially. It's now around 18 months considered loyalty. When I was first starting out, it was a lifetime. When you were loyal at a company, it was, they would say, we're like a family. You're here forever because you're the family. And if you were leaving, 
first of all, it was exhausting to leave. And it secondly, it was disloyal. It just wasn't done. Well, now things have changed because it's so easy to switch jobs and careers quickly in this time of working virtually. So you're looking at 18 months where people will flip and leave. And if you want to waste all that time and effort over and over again, then go ahead and, for, and just throw people into their job. The best way is to make sure that you integrate them with their team and check in with their own expectations that they articulated to you during the hiring and recruitment process. And if there is a corporate onboarding drink process, make sure that your area has something, I think, you know, a little more custom, not mm-hmm. to reinvent the wheel, um, but make sure you're not just deferring to corporate onboarding only, mm-hmm. where corporate onboarding may only deal with certain really high level issues. Like it right. should be a little bit more personal. I think that's yeah. what I really liked about the onboarding that I got Drink. Um, with you was that it was personal to that specific branch. It was very... yeah. Uh, detailed to that branch and that really made you feel more welcome versus mm-hmm. this is just the package that the company puts together the company puts together here's a it, here's a pen and a it mug had, it had a special touch I don't know yeah it's well what can you do to make it feel warm it has to be warm and welcome. even people uh, who have a preference for introversion who are quiet they're not going to be that person that is organizing potlucks they're a great fit with the team for many other reasons even those people would like a sense of warmth that it's, you know, I don't want you to come and bring me flowers and set up balloons at my desk to welcome me, but I, I, well, you would, (laughs) but I do want just a little bit of warmth that it's me that you were expecting. You know, uh, one, something we didn't talk about that is huge. Uh, A lot of cube, not all cubicles have this or desks or offices or what have you, but many do your name. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. The when name your name plate. plate is on your desk. That is a huge sense of welcome. Spend the money. If it, if it isn't already integrated in somebody's wall or a cubicle or whatever, buy the little things from Staples, little metal name plate that can sit on someone's desk that has their name on it. It is First such of a all, silly small it's thing. It's super helpful for their colleagues as they get to know them. But it really just, you see your name. They were expecting me. Yeah. And make sure it's, it's spelled right. Sign. Oh, for goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But there's nothing worse than getting to a new place and they don't have your IT ready oh. and they didn't get it done in time yeah. and they didn't order a nameplate. I mean, I've even heard of organizations where they don't even know where the person's going to sit that day. Oh, and they have to go to security and oh. say who they are and you're not on a list. Oh, there's just, it's just it's, awful. So, you know, from approaching it from a negative place, don't do those things and do do all those things that we just talked about. So this whole series has been as a manager starting off, um, help me help you was, was trying to understand your line as your role as a manager and helping guide a person's career. Then we started getting into, you figured out you have an opening, you need new talent. How do you find that talent? Because there's a bit of work to getting it right and finding the right person. Then how to conduct an interview before, during, and after. And finally, you hire someone. How do you make sure they feel part of the team and they are set to be successful right from the get-go? So that's series 3B. So our whole, and in fact, season three. We're done. We're done. And this is it. Man, this is it. I'm shedding a little. Oh, Nicole's shedding a little tear because she's going to go on mat leave for a while. 
And so future series, the next series that I'm planning is going to be all back to basics on process improvement. And it doesn't sound very fun, but I promise it will be because it's <laughs> going to be about what are some things that you can find around your office, around where you work um, that you can fix and that the team can fix and that it doesn't have to be a big deal. And I'm going to be interviewing lots of different people to talk about that as I pick my topics. So you can look forward to, although Nicole won't be with me on the uh, podcast. I'm so there'll be less foul-mouthing. Less foul-mouthing. But <laughs> there will be some really cool people with some great topics. Um, and then she'll be back and we'll do more, more after that. But I do hope that you um, are able to convince that near and dear person to you who is also a pretty um, awesome manager to interview with you on challenges of hiring, recruiting, uh, and retaining talent mm. in, it's certainly in the public sector at least. Absolutely. We'll so do. yeah, that's it for now, but stay tuned for the next series, which will probably come in April. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.